Hello everybody, it is the time of year to begin registering for one or two of my slow groups that begin in July. My slow groups are these special groups where I focus on one topic and we deeply unpack it over the course of six months. So these are highly nuanced, deep dive, advanced groups. These are excellent for those of you who have taken my six week course or who just want to focus on one particular topic through a somatic and trauma-informed lens. The two that are opening up in July, or will begin in July, are my embodied parenting group and my embodied nutrition group. The embodied parenting group is just like it sounds, learning how to parent from your body, learning how to ground yourself in your parenting so you're not parenting from a reactive triggered place, but from a much more conscious place so you can actually find joy in your parenting instead of it being a total hellscape, like some of you have told me it is, and I've experienced it myself. The other group is an embodied nutrition group. This has been requested for years. For the past four years after students complete my course, they say, can you please do a course on nutrition and make it longer than six weeks? So finally, I can say, yes, you can, and I can, and I did. It is a six-month unpacking of the intersection between trauma nutrition, and somatics. How do we recover from stress and trauma via food? How do we relate to food as a being and not just some object on the plate? What's the biochemistry of food? Why is it not the best for my blood sugar to have toast, but lentils are just fine if they're both carbohydrates? All of this and more will be unpacked in this six-month group. To register for these groups, please go to my website, holisticlifenavigation.com, and click Groups or you can click the link in the episode details below. Registration closes on June 1st. It is only open through May because we need the month of June to prepare everybody for July. I'm looking forward to this deep dive with you all. I'll see you there. Hey, my friends, this is a reminder that our next addiction circle is this Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. These somatic addiction circles are incredible. They're supported by Samadhi in New York, in Kingston, New York, which is a holistic recovery organization that serves so many people in our local region as well as all around the world through their virtual daily free offerings. My part in this is I offer a free circle every other month that teaches us how to hold addiction through the lens of somatics, through the lens of trauma, how to destigmatize it, how to truly understand and connect to it so we can begin releasing it. And so many different people join this circle, Um, practitioners, therapists, doctors, people in recovery, people actively addicted, anyone is welcome. Please check it out. Go to my website, holisticlifenavigation.com, click on events, and you'll find the Somatic Addiction Circle. It is free to join. You don't even have to register. And it's hosted by Samadhi, and you can find more information from them at samadhiny.org. That's S-A-M-A-D-H-I-N-Y.org. On today's episode, I navigate how we actually build our businesses from our capacity. And if you don't have your own business, how to listen to your capacity even when you work for somebody else. Hello, everybody. 
I don't want you to miss out on the opportunity to take my three-week free email series about how to stop fawning. This series is like a small course that will be delivered to your inbox, two emails per week for three weeks, and it's going to teach you how to release the fawning mechanism. Fawning is the most pervasive trauma response we have because it's so socially rewarded and it becomes our personality. I'm going to teach you through video exercises, through education, and even through a free 90-minute live session how to begin releasing this mechanism from your life. To sign up for this series, visit my website, holisticlifenavigation.com, and click on the button that pops up that says Fawning Series. If that doesn't pop up, just scroll down and join the mailing list, or click on the link in the episode details. If you're already on my newsletter, all you have to do is sit back and relax, and you'll receive it on Sunday, March 19th. Now let's begin the episode. Welcome to the Holistic Life Navigation Podcast, where we discuss every aspect of life through the lens of somatic psychology, nutrition, and self-inquiry. My name is Luis Mojica, and I'm a somatic educator who teaches people how to find safety inside themselves so they can better navigate this strange and sensational human experience. Your time to learn begins now. Capacity and business growth are so important to understand. Um, I'm just thinking as I say this, it might be great to to also mention, this is an excellent episode for those of you who are entrepreneurs and you run your own business. And it's equally excellent for someone who's an employee, someone who's currently laid off, currently unemployed, currently taking a break from work, wherever you are, this can be applied to you. So just because you're not an entrepreneur, and you're not in direct control of your hours and scheduling and your rates and such, there's going to be an exercise at the end that will help you get in touch with how this relates through your body to the work that you do in the world, and how to better listen to and nurture your capacity as it relates to the work you do. So the the first place I always like to start is just understanding what is capacity. Capacity is the space inside of us to tolerate sensation. It's the easiest way for me to put it. Some days we have more space inside, some days we have less. One hour I might have more, one hour I might have less. Capacity is a changing fluid creature. It's in our bodies, right? And it's based on if we think about being able to take a deep breath, right? Like we can all try it right now, like take a breath. And notice what's my capacity right now for a deep breath? Is my breathing met with a lot of constriction in my shoulders and my chest and belly? If those areas are kind of tense and constricted and heavy, there's not a lot of capacity already. There's there's a pressure, the spaciousness is being decreased by pressure and tension and bracing, right? So that's a physical lowering of capacity. Now, if it's not being decreased, if there's a lot of space there, <clears throat> we breathe into it, oh, you feel an openness. That openness or closeness, whatever you're experiencing in your body, that shows you what you're already going into your day with. I'm going into my day with enough space 
in this moment to tolerate sensation as it comes up, to tolerate the activation of a day, whether it's driving to work, whether it's interacting with my colleagues, whether it's being the employer and I'm speaking to employees and I'm delegating, whether I'm reading emails, doing data, customer service, whatever it is I'm doing, my body's showing me right now with a simple check-in, what is its capacity to even experience the activation that comes with work? Especially because most of us, our work is inherently relational. We work with other people, other bodies. So what's my capacity right now to interact and, and feel the activation? If my capacity is low, right, if I have tension, my body is constricted, bracing, hard to get a breath. Maybe I haven't eaten for about many hours, so my blood sugar is low. If my body is at a place of low capacity, activation is quickly going to turn into dysregulation. That's an important thing to understand the difference between because activation and dysregulation are not inherently the same thing. Activation is everything. It's life. I'm activated right now because I'm excited to do this and talk to you. And there's a light in my face. And I'm being recorded. So there's a sense of uh, vigilance and arousal happening through my body at a very manageable low level, but enough to help me project my thoughts and ideas to you, right? My life force and my vitality and my ability to connect is connected to my activation. Activation is not a bad thing. In the somatic world, we can sometimes think it's a bad thing when we're learning these, these terms because activation can lead to dysregulation, but not always. They aren't inherent to one another. If I have low capacity, activation will very quickly lead to dysregulation because that charge, that electricity that moves through me when I'm speaking to someone, writing an email, even just experiencing being seen, if I have a low capacity for that, I'll quickly dysregulate because the charge will overwhelm my body. My body doesn't have enough space or time to metabolize the charge in real time. And so I'll get shut down. I'll go into a freeze response. Maybe I'll go into fight or flight. I'll yell at somebody. I'll walk out. I'll go smoke a cigarette. I'll start eating a bunch of food. Lots of different ways. I'll grab for coffee. Lots of ways we cope to try to build or temporarily soothe or even push through our capacity. This is the second part I want to speak about. We've been, I really try to not use words like we've been conditioned because it creates this, there's like a lineage attached to the statement we've been conditioned, which essentially means like everything's fucked and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> and I don't subscribe to that. I, I truly believe in transformation regardless of circumstances. That doesn't mean I deny circumstances at all doesn't mean I deny history at all, which is why I, I, I do use the word condition. But I like to transform the word condition into the word practiced. Okay, so if I'm hearing myself saying, we've been conditioned to bypass our capacity with our work, right? What that really means is I was born into a culture that was already practicing the bypassing of capacity in the name of progress, in the name of rewards, in the name of being a good worker, right? So if I'm born into a culture that's already practicing that, that means I'm already practicing it. It doesn't mean it's my fault. It doesn't mean it's their fault. We're all practicing together. We're one big traumatized family, <laughs> just trauma bonding with our careers and our jobs and our monies and our societies, right? So it, 
I like to feel, and you can do this with me if you want to, that difference between we've been conditioned to bypass our capacity for work into I was born into a culture that has been practicing bypassing for so long that it's the culture I know. It's the only way I know until I learn and try a different way. So I will speak for myself. I was born into a culture and into a family that hardcore bypassed their needs and capacity and health in the name of work, in the name of money, financial security, and progress. That came from their own intergenerational traumas, especially those who immigrated here later. And there would be a lot of reasons why um, this need to overwork, which essentially is a flight response, is overcoupled with survival. Because you're fleeing from one place to another. You don't belong in the new place. You don't feel like you belong. No one looks like you. No one speaks like you. Yet there's this driving trauma response inside of you to continue moving. Don't stop. It's unsafe to be still. And that turns into overworking, which becomes identity. And we justify it. We have all these words for it. I'm not going to go into that. But what's important for me here is that we just notice this piece, right? Just feeling into, I was born into a culture that practices bypassing their needs and capacity for work. So I guess I'm probably going to do it too. It's pretty rare if you don't. So first notice that for yourself. How do I bypass my capacity for my job? Whether I'm the creator of that job as an entrepreneur, or I'm the employee of this position. How do I bypass my capacity? And this is not a question that's based in privilege. So it doesn't matter why. It doesn't The circumstances are not what I'm interested in yet. I'm interested in getting to know through a felt sense when, how, what it feels like when I'm bypassing my capacity. So I'll give you an example of mine. I'm at the computer. I've been working for six hours, let's say. I have 30 emails to answer. And my mind is saying, you cannot take a break until these 30 emails are answered. I've already been working for six hours. This is how I used to live when I had a full-time private practice. I start work at 8 a.m., sometimes 7 a.m., depending on the client. And I'd be back-to-back for about six to eight hours with people. No break, because I just didn't think of it. And then my first break I had would be to eat, because I was always very, um, very firm on my eating, my my nutrition schedule. So I had that going for me, at least. And in that moment of taking the break to eat, I would simultaneously follow up on emails, which were usually scheduling changes from clients, new clients coming in and reading their cases and seeing if I wanted to take them on, any kind of promotional work I was doing, if I was teaching a webinar. So I'd be on this computer, I'd see 30 emails, and my mind would say, you must finish these. You can't take a break till you finish these. Now, my bypassing of my capacity was happening in that moment because the mind has nothing to do with our capacity at all. (laughs) Capacity is biology. It's biological. It's in our bodies. If you go back to one of my previous episodes a while ago, I don't know the number right now, but you can look in the show notes because Camille is really good at putting those in there. Uh, It's called the difference navigating capacity and desire. Okay. 
if you listen to that, it's going to give you a lot of insight and and vocabulary and somatic um, understanding around what I'm talking about with capacity and desire. So I'm going to spare the lesson right now and just say that when my mind says you must do these 30 emails before you take a break, that's me coming from desire. It's what I should do. It's what I have to do. It's what I think I should do. It's just, it's a story, essentially, right? That doesn't check in with my capacity. Now, some of you might think that's not a story, Luis. I don't have the luxury to be an entrepreneur. I go to work and my boss says, you must get these 30 emails done. Yes, fair enough. So 30 emails must be done. And where's my capacity in that? Am I holding both or am I bypassing capacity? We want to transform capacity into felt sense. So I'm sitting there looking at the emails. There's 30 emails. My desire, my mind, the ether, which is not part of my body, is saying, finish these before you do anything else, including go to the bathroom, drink water, stretch, laugh, cry, you know, whatever it is. In that moment, I bypass body. I don't check in with my body. In fact, I get quite dissociated because I leave body for mind and for the action of these 30 emails. So I, I actually start entering in a dissociative adrenalized state. Now, what if my mind says 30 emails and I say, wait a minute, pause, 30 second, time out, 30 second mind, body, what are you feeling right now? And I notice my chest is constricted. I notice my bladder is really full. Ooh, my hips hurt. I've been sitting in a chair for six hours, six to eight hours. Ooh, my back really wants to stretch. I feel some anger in my face, some tension in my face muscles. In 30 seconds, maybe even less than, my body has just somatically shown me its needs and its capacity. There's a need to stretch. There's an anger in the face. Anger is very often the result of broken boundaries. So what is not being heard by me about my body that's creating anger? Okay. Wow, I'm not breathing very deeply. What happens if I breathe? What does that do? Oh, wow, my, my tongue's really dry. I'm thirsty. I need some water. I'm learning so much in the, those 30 seconds about what my body is needing that I would miss if I bypass capacity for desire, if I bypass capacity for progress, for work. So in that moment, even if I'm, again, employed by somebody else, and for the record, entrepreneurs have no less pressure than an employee. Usually we have more because we are everything. So I can't just leave and get fired and get another job. If I leave, everything's done. So there's this pressure, let's call it an equal amount of pressure so we don't create a hierarchy of, oh, it's harder for me or harder for you, because I, I really don't believe I can know that for any of you. But noticing there's a pressure to, I have to get this done. And there's an inquiry that very rarely enters with that pressure that says, what's my capacity right now to get this done? Now, a few navigating sessions ago, I talk about listening to the body instead of following it. This is a great example of what that looks like. If I'm working for somebody and the reality is if I walk out because I don't have capacity for these emails, I'll get fired. That's my reality. I don't want to argue that reality. I don't want to make my boss or the business I work for like a bad business because I don't have capacity to read the emails. That has nothing to do with them. 
even if their work culture is different than I'd like it to be, I am signing up to work with them. So let me be responsible for my part. So I don't have to walk out because I lack capacity. I can notice I'm thirsty, I have to pee, my back hurts, and I have to get these 30 emails done by the end of the day. When am I going to prioritize? Well, it takes a couple seconds to drink water, takes a minute or two to go to the bathroom, and maybe five minutes to stretch. Do I have eight minutes to meet those very basic needs first? I do. Okay, let me do that. Now let me let me do these emails. I just paused, listened to my capacity, gave it a little bit of what it needed to, and then went back to my emails. Then when I get home from the day, I get to notice where's my body now? What's my capacity now? Do I get home and then expect myself to clean, to do laundry, to make a very healthy meal for myself, to accomplish something? What am I expecting myself to do when I'm home? And are those expectations separate from my capacity? What if I created a new ritual where I get home and I actually sit down for five, 10 minutes and I check in? What's my capacity right now? What's my capacity to relate to the people I live with if I share space with someone or I have a family? What's my capacity to cook? What kind of food does my body need to feel nourished right now? What do I need right now to have the capacity to do these things that I need to do when I get home? Or what things am I telling myself I need to do that aren't actually important to my survival? They would be nice. They might make other people really happy. And how do they relate to my capacity? This is how we do the work for real. So not just like a story of I'm an entrepreneur, I build my practice, I build my life and I choose what I want. Not everyone relates to that. But we can all relate to getting home from the place where we might not have choice. And then for the first time in the day, having choice over our bodies. We can play with that. And even if we don't do anything with it, just re retraining, repracticing, like I said earlier, instead of conditioning, just practicing that new way, it creates a daily invitation to ask the body, where are you right now? Because that's what we're really working with here. We're working with asking the body where it is instead of telling it where it needs to be or what it's going to do. And this is this is why I find it so important to learn capacity as it relates to business. Because for those of you in this example, I just used who are employees, that's your agency. You don't have agency to change the structure of the business. Maybe someday, but usually you don't. Your agency is your internal dialogue and your felt sense about your body. And I have walked out on many jobs throughout my life because I didn't have the capacity. I didn't make that their fault. I left and I reveled in my freedom and then I found another job. And I'm not talking about <laughs> salary jobs or six-figure jobs. I'm talking about eight, nine, ten dollars an hour jobs in New York City, customer service positions that I was not willing to break my body for. I just wasn't willing to do so. I was more willing to have $2,000 in the bank, okay, that will get me three months of rent and leave the job, scrimp and save and not eat that much food and be free. That worked for me. Doesn't work for everybody. 
I was single, I didn't have a child at the time, I was able to do that. So we need to really all be within our realities. And within our individual realities, with this practice of checking in with capacity, the answers come from inside of us. There's no direct way I or anyone can tell you how to build your capacity and what to do with your work. Now, where this goes for entrepreneurs, and keep listening if you're not one, because this might resonate for you in some way unimaginable. We do have the agency of how we build our practices, how we build our businesses. I didn't realize this when I started. I felt very beholden to my client base. It was a pretty large base. I had somewhere between, I think when I counted, it was 45 to 50 people a week because I would do these long marathon 12-hour days. I worked about five days a week, sometimes six, and I would see people from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to bed because, I number one, I didn't know how to say no. Number two, I loved the work, loved, still love this work, love trauma healing, I love nutritional work, I love holding safe space for somebody. It was, it lights me up. So I, I, I was kind of addicted to it, you could say, so I couldn't say no, I didn't know how to. And then there was the financial piece. <clears throat> I didn't have clear financial boundaries with any of my clients for many years. I had a sliding scale, which for me went down to zero. You know, it was like pay what you, what you can. And many times I'd have six to eight clients in one week not being able to pay. So I was always making up for their inability to pay by taking on more clients. I was burning myself out. I was doing a great service. People were transforming. People were recommending me. My wait list was growing. I didn't have any promotion. I had no online presence, but the work was so it, it, so rooted in integrity. And what we were creating together was so powerful that even though I was burnt out, the work itself became its own container, its own being, which is a, a beautiful thing. And I started asking myself, well, what's the point of teaching other people how to listen to their bodies, how to feel safe in themselves, how to listen to their no, how to listen to their yes, if I'm not doing that with them, right? So I started checking in with my capacity and I noticed several things. My schedule, my rate, and the session length, these all were in such intimate connection with my capacity and I had no clue. I wouldn't have even thought of that for a second. Some of you might think, really, Luis? Others might think, oh, I never thought of that either, Luis. I, I just didn't think it was a thing. And then I started noticing, well, the more I learned about capacity, the more I practiced it, the more I spoke about it and taught about it, I started seeing, well, capacity is the body. These three things have a huge impact on my body. What I charge people literally means how rested I am in my body knowing I can pay my bills, knowing I can afford my rents knowing I can eat nourishing food that builds my capacity to be with them, knowing I have money to do something fun and exciting so I have capacity for joy, and that becomes a resource I bring into the room. My entire lifestyle and how I treat this body shows up in my practice. They're not separate for me. So how I was living was able was was deepening my somatic ability to be with myself and then be with my clients. So my rate directly affected my capacity. My session lengths, I saw people for an hour at a time or a half hour, and it was always back to back. So I'd have about four, I remember it was four and a half, I would call it four and a half clients, which meant 
uh, 4.5 straight hours. So I'd have four one-hour clients back-to-back and one half-hour client tagged at the end of that, okay? I'd have about a 30-minute lunch break, sometimes an hour, which, as I said earlier, would include just doing emails and, and eating at the same time. And then I'd go back for another four and a half, right? So it was this nine-hour client day total, but with administrative work, it turned into a 12-hour day very, very quickly because I would write client notes. I would email them the notes. I went above and beyond. So these session lengths gave me no time to check in with my body in between clients. And when you're witnessing really extreme trauma, literally it's in the room, the person's getting activated, the person might scream, they might cry, they might have a breakdown. They're telling you descriptive images that are really violent and painful to witness that they went through. And you're not giving yourself a break between that. My body was just building with a sense of tension and activation throughout the day that I wasn't aware of. So by the time the day was over, I was overwhelmed, I was numbed, I had zero capacity to relate to my family or my friends, none. So my session length had everything to do with my capacity, right? So if I think of the rate, if I think of the session length, if I think of the schedule, I think about how these things um, interfered or had the ability to nurture, right? My capacity, I started playing with it. And the first thing I did was I removed the sliding scale. And I told all my clients this was a few years ago, I drastically increased my rate. I was charging $75 for an hour, which is like unheard of. That's why I was so popular. And then I put it up to, I think I went up to 100 or something. I went up these really, every six months, I would go up a little bit more. I didn't know I was going to do that, but I was really following capacity. And I said to myself, or my body, I said, I'm going to design this practice of mine from my capacity instead of from my desire. My desire is to help everyone that asks for it. And I was. My capacity was saying, you don't, you can't actually sustain this, Luis. Like, I can't hold all this for you anymore. That's what my body was saying. So I said, I'm going to try something over these next two years. I'm going to drastically work from my capacity. I'm even going to use that terminology with my clients. I'm going to share with them where my capacity is. And my rate is going up to serve my capacity. And my hours going down to serve my capacity. And it was the most transformational thing I've ever done in my life, especially as a therapist, especially in private practice. And it led me to this podcast. Because as my rate was increasing, Naturally, my clients were decreasing because they couldn't afford my rate, which was actually really good for me. That would have given me um, so much shame to say out loud before because I thought, well, this is a service I, I need to provide this. And then this this thought or statement, medicine, really for me as a fauner, started coming into my body and mind. And it was, no one's entitled to your capacity, Luis. Just because somebody had a horrible childhood or just got out of an abusive relationship or is in one, that doesn't entitle them to your time. And that was shocking to hear. And even more shocking to start saying out loud. Because I was so trained and practiced to say yes. I've been training myself to say yes since I could say the word yes to please others because of my relational traumas growing up. So I lived from a fawn response. And that fawn response went right into my private practice. It was part of all my jobs before that. 
that went right into my private practice? Am I saying yes? Am I letting people pay what they wanted to? Am I not giving myself breaks in between because someone would have a breakdown? I would say, oh, I can squeeze you in right now. That was all my reflexive fawning response because I wanted to please them. I wanted them to feel safe with me. As I healed my fawn response, I also started noticing the reflex went away. So when someone asked to work with me, I was able to say, I have no openings, but I'll put you on the wait list. I was able to say, it's this much money. And they would say, I can't afford that. I would say, I'm sorry. I hope you find someone that can with no charge. That would have wrecked me before. I wouldn't have gotten sleep before. And the only reason this was really working for me and was so effective was because I was really somatically presencing my capacity in my business. And I could feel the difference instantly. When I sent an email saying, in three months, all sessions will be reduced to 45 minutes because I'll naturally have this 15-minute break built in, I could feel my body settling, just orienting to three months from now. And then when those three months came up and all the sessions were 45 minutes, whoa, I had all this space inside of me. I was so centered. My work was getting even better and juicier. And in that time, I was building my capacity to even have a better language for what I did. And then I noticed, I think I like teaching more than I like doing one-on-one therapy. Again, listening to my capacity because my desire... If I was going by desire, I would not be doing this podcast right now. I'd be entrenched in 45 to 50 people a week still, because that's really my desire. My capacity says, you have a way to teach this work that works for people, even if they don't work one-on-one with you. I didn't know that. I learned that over time doing group work, doing webinars, being hired to work a few corporate spaces in New York City over the years where I teach the team these things, and I would get all this responsive transformation. I thought, well... If I, have, if I have the capacity to be a teacher, right, and I actually feel better after I teach a group of 20 people than I do sitting with 10 people in a day, how can I start to shift that, right? So I fell into my capacity. I noticed I like working with an audience. So I got an Instagram account and I started posting on Instagram and I said, I'll just post every day something I learned from the day, something I learned from my clients, something that comes up in my body, some wisdom of the day I'll post. And I did that every day, essentially for almost three years. I had no idea it was going to be that long. And my Instagram following grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. And then thought, well, I'll do a podcast. I can talk. I can speak about the wisdom I learned from these people and my own experiences and have other people on. And this grew and grew and grew. And then my course was designed from all the work I did with people for 10 years plus, I designed this course based on how I would work with them. So I was able to find a way to structure these sessions, you know, that or I would say the way um, kind of like the 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 path that a client would take with me in private practice, something that might take a couple months, couple years, I structured within four weeks, which was super overwhelming for my capacity. And again, listen to that and realized, no, I need six weeks to teach this information. And I need more than one day a week. I need like three days a week with these people. I need an online space where people can talk about what they're going through. I need a team. Marika came on early on when I started the course. She increased my capacity. She's my assistant and operations manager of Holistic Life Navigation. Then Camille took the course as a student and she reached out and said, I would love to help add to your capacity. And we're like, yes, please. And now she's an assistant teacher and a community man- member, uh, sorry, community man- uh, manager of our spaces. So she directly works with people around the content that I'm teaching and helps 
reteach it and, and guide them through the, the practices through the six weeks, as well as on the membership. This is profound. So I'm sitting here with you and I'm going into, this is being recorded in December 2022. I'm going into 2023. And next year, we have three six-week courses, all of which look like they're going to sell out. I have two in-person retreats I'm teaching, my first ever weekend retreats. I've done day and I've done day retreats. I've never done a weekend retreat. Those sold out in a few hours. I'm flying to a couple places to work with some other people that I really respect and love working with. I have this beautiful membership and I have this lovely podcast. This is not me trying I'm not like trying to be in the world and be successful. This is me listening to my capacity. And as I listen to my capacity, it it directs me to the next place. It's the most humbling way to, I, don't, I can't even say run a business, to have a business, to participate in a business, to relate to a business. Because just as I experience with music, I'm not the creator of the song. I'm at the piano and these sensations and feelings come through and my fingers move. And then I'm moved by when my fingers played, like I'm witnessing this art, this company, this organization, this business, holistic life navigation, it's this being, it's this art form that I get to witness. And when I wasn't listening to my capacity, I was owning it. I had my hands just in there, squeezing and gripping it and telling it what to do all the time. And then I started saying, I'm going to listen to my capacity and how my body relates to this creature, you know, holistic life navigation. And it's been profound. I just listen and feel, and then I notice. And if it feels good, if it creates space, if it builds my capacity, I follow. And that doesn't mean listening to my capacity is always easy. I've had to disappoint many people over the last two years as my business greatly transformed from full-time private practice to now zero private practice and groups and courses and retreats. That was nothing I had envisioned. I would never have wanted to teach a class on Zoom if someone asked me. I would have said, no, thank you. I prefer being in my little cozy corner with my two clients. Like that felt really good for me. That was my capacity until it wasn't. So those of you listening, whatever you do, whether you're a therapist, a carpenter, a contractor, an archaeologist, you know, a musician, a plumber, a nutritionist, a parent, whatever your art is, your work, the thing you devote yourself to every day, whatever it is, regardless of whether it makes money or not, it is what your body is using its resources, its energy, its capacity to do. And when we do that thing without checking in with our capacity, without creating a relationship with our capacity, that thing ends up taking over our lives and we burn out. I am doing more work than I've ever done in my life in terms of the amount of people I'm working with, the amount of people that, that hear my philosophies and these teachings, the amount of people that are being helped. Far more, I think last year in total we had... 1200 people take the course. That's more that would have taken me, oh my god, maybe a whole 30 years in private practice to to get to. My point is, I'm getting much more reach working with much more people doing many more projects. And I feel the most relaxed in my body that I've ever felt since I started this work. So my private practice was harder on my body than all this public work I'm doing, because I'm following my capacity, not because I'm special. 
not because I have a gift. I'm truly serious. I'm not being modest. It's because of I'm listening to capacity. And I know this because I see other people do it who do trainings with me. I run a mentorship every year. The This one's completely filled. By the time you hear this, it will be happening. But the next one's going to open up in, I want to say, September either September or October, but the applications will open up in, in summer. If you go to my website, holisticlifenavigation.com, and you click on work with me, you'll see an area for slow groups, and you'll see the practitioner slow group. There's other slow groups that are great too. But if you're hearing this, and you're someone that really wants to learn how to create more capacity for the work you do, and to build a somatic culture into the work you're doing, it's a brilliant way to do so. You click on that link, you'll get on the wait list, we'll send you the applications in the summer when they're open, you apply, we review them, and we pick up to 30 people that just really resonated with us and feel like a good fit, especially a good relational fit. Then for nine months, we meet very slowly over the year, we practice these things. And we learn as a community together and from me and my team, how to implement this in our practices and into our lives. Um, I'm going to close with a uh, short practice of capacity right now. So if you're unable to do this, just pause and come back because it can be extremely profound, even though it's really simple. So whether you're on an office chair, whether you're in a car, the car must be parked, by the way, um, on an airplane, in the bedroom, wherever you are outside in the forest, I want you to find a place where you can sit or lay and be totally set, held and supported. So I'm in my office chair and you can see me doing this on YouTube if you want a visual. Um, and I'm just letting my head fall back onto the back of my chair. So instead of sitting up where I'm holding all this constriction has to happen to keep me up, I'm letting my head be held by the chair and oh, the constriction starts to resolve, right? Let my arms hang, let my legs splay out a bit. So wherever you are, allow the same thing to occur, okay? Laying on a bed, laying on the ground, sitting on a park bench, letting your head rest back, maybe putting a backpack or a sweater behind your head so it can be held. Just creating, allowing your, your full body, head to toe, to be supported by what it's on so you're not holding it. Now, why we do this is so we can actually feel into our body and notice what's my body's capacity for support. Is my body still tensing and bracing even though it's being held? Or does the tensing and bracing start to dissolve a bit? These places that are tense, these places that are braced, these places that have pain and chronic constriction, right, and pressure, these are places that have low capacity. It's really important to learn how to identify these. Because if it's 9 a.m., it's the beginning of your workday, and you, you most of your body has low capacity, you're going to have to bypass and adrenalize and numb out and dissociate just to get through the day. However, we can pause and give this body a place to be held for a moment and notice what parts of me relax, what parts of me expand, what parts of me start to ease into the room. And then I allow my eyes to help me I open my eyes and I look around. I look for something pleasant. I look for something funny, something beautiful, something simple. And I notice where in my body can I feel that? What part of me, not all of me, what part of me can feel this thing in front of me that's nice, that's pleasant? 
and I'll say I'm looking right now at a pine tree that's totally kissed with snow. Uh, I feel it in my chest. My chest just softens and melts. So that place in me that's softening and melting, that's a place that has capacity. It has the capacity to be here, to see the tree, to relate to the tree through opening, almost like opening its arms to the tree. And it's not a place that's remembering threat from the past, and it's not a place that's orienting to threat or stress in the future. It's not thinking about my emails that are building up as I do this podcast. It's not thinking about what I should have done yesterday. It's just feeling the now. And that's our greatest capacity builder, is right now, what part of me is here? And can I tend to that part? Can I ease into that part? Can I marinate in that part? That place then becomes a resource. It becomes a safety and anchor to be with through your day, to show you the difference of when your body has capacity and it's there's space in there and when your body's constricted. So what I love about this is there's no suggestions or advice. There's no strategy. You're just noticing where do I have capacity right now for this moment I'm in? And as I move through the day, I keep asking and updating. I notice I get stressed. I feel stress in my chest. What part of me has capacity for the stress? Let's say my boss says, 30 emails in one hour, I need one hour, get rid of these emails, right? I feel all this stress in my chest come up. Okay, what part of me isn't stressed? Ooh, my legs, my legs feel okay. Let me marinate in those for a minute before I start these emails. That's a part of me that can be here. The more we practice noticing the somatic difference, the, the quicker and easier it is to move through experiences with fluidity, to follow up with our unmet needs when we get home, needs we can't meet at work, and build relationship with our body so our bodies and our capacities are present with us as we're working, as we're chasing desire, as we're experiencing realities of our lives, um, things we must do for survival. So that's the end of today's episode. Notice where you feel the episode inside of your body. Those sensations, those expressions, that's how your body speaks to you. Sit with it, be with it, and let whatever wants to come up, come up. Because all the wisdom you're looking for is right there in those sensations. If you want to go deeper into these practices or find more information about my work, please visit holisticlifenavigation.com. I'll see you next time. Did you know your food cravings are actually a doorway to your subconscious? They are. We tend to see cravings as something bad, or something we just give into mindlessly. But when you embody your cravings, you're able to notice they're just blossoming from a certain place that has a certain need and needs your attention. Join me on Wednesday, May 29th, as I unpack this in a new webinar called Cravings Destigmatized. In this webinar, I'll help you learn the difference between a nutritional craving and an emotional craving. 
as well as how do we use cravings to get in touch with our unmet needs and any of our unconscious, unprocessed emotional experiences. It begins at 4 p.m. Eastern, and everyone who registers will get a replay. You can find the link in the episode details, and you can also go to www.holisticlifenavigation.com and click on events, and the information is right there. Hope to see you there.